Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of MA Architects Make It Innovative, featuring deep dive discussions on the world of innovation as it relates to the built environment. Today, we are talking about leadership and preparing for success in the new year. One of my favorite forever quotes reads, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Spoken by a true leader and one of the greatest, Martin Luther King Jr., Today, more than ever, this world needs leaders, and you might be just exactly what this world is looking for. Per the dictionary, leadership is defined as the action of leading a group or people or an organization. Per Forbes, leadership is a process of social influence which maximizes efforts of others toward achievement of a goal. Per me, a leader is a person who leads by example, who encourages and who amplifies the skills of others so they can follow their passions. I think I like your definition the best. Just like an elite athlete, the best leaders know the way they can be better is with a coach, which is why I'm so excited to introduce our guest today, Peg Burley, Managing Partner of Action Coach Columbus. Now it's time to brag on her, since she is the ninth ranked coach in the world and third in the entire country. Action Coach is a global coaching firm of which Peg runs in Columbus, Ohio, with her business partner, Pete, and their team. Peg is a coach who focuses on improving and leveraging people's skills to achieve dramatic improvement in business results. She has spent decades as a coach helping business executives increase their effectiveness and business owners improve results with less effort. Peg was recently awarded the Global Biggest Community Impact Award in 2019, along with her rankings of third in the country and ninth in the world. I know I've said it already, but you guys, that's a very big deal, and it really deserves a second brag. If you weren't excited already, I hope you are now. Welcome to the show, Peg. Well, thank you. Such kind words. Oh my gosh. That it's was like wonderful. An honor to brag on you. You're kind of a big deal. <laughs> oh, goodness. No. I'm just your coach. I love it. <laughs> also joining Peg today is Carrie Boyd, one of MAA Architects' leaders, partner and director of interior design, and one of Peg's clients. Welcome to the show again, Carrie. Thank you, Mark. So I think, Peg, let's start with you. Why leadership coaching? What is your passion behind it? Give us your little quick elevator pitch. Okay, so what happened is years ago, and when you said Sam, when Sam said decades, I was like, you know, it has been decades. <laughs> My goodness, and what got into it? And so I started as a business coach, and what business coaching is, it's all about growing your business, growing the individual growing the team. And as we were diving into that category, I realized that leadership went hand in hand. The better the leader, the more everybody grew. It, it just, it, it complemented each other. So it was about two years into me being a business coach that I decided leadership was definitely going to be just as important to not only learn myself, but to teach. And so I realized that the better leaders that I get to coach, the better results I see. So that's where it all started. And then I started diving into leadership and what can help make people better leaders, no matter who they are. And um, I do have two, I, I'm married and I live right in Upper Arlington. I have two girls, um, Allie, who is 19, and Lauren, who is 16. And I'm laughing because these poor, poor girls, I had a leadership lesson for them the other day. Ooh. <laughs> and I, we're going down and I go, do you know that empathy is really important and that we need to put ourselves in other shoes because they weren't being as kind as they could as teenagers. So I, it's at every level is uh, leadership. That's so cool. I mean, honestly, you know, you think about it, it translates to everybody. It translates to, uh, like you said, your daily life, your daily business. Uh, I think we do what we're passionate about both in our work and then in our homes too. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So, Carrie, 
why don't you give us your introduction um, and the ways that PEG has supported you and your initiatives at MA Architects? Oh, the ways. Um, so as you said, Mark, I'm a principal here and director of the Interior Design Studio, but on top of that, also oversee marketing and communication and our HR group. So um, you know, it's funny when Peg talks about leadership at every level. Um, when Peg started coaching with us, it was 2007, yes, 8. Yes, um, yes. And at that time, as everyone knows, we were in the beginning um, stages of a recession. And uh, we knew that we had to do something to diversify and figure out how to expand our marketing efforts because at that time it was really just word of mouth. And so, um, so Peg came in like a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> and um, and we uh, engaged probably 20-some folks here at Correct. MA mm-hmm. who really had no formal sales training. And, um, and Peg and Pete both kind of took us through how, like the really beginning 101, sales 101. Right, sales and, and marketing and, and yes. creating your own marketing plan. And that's that business coaching that we love started that. with. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, so that was really... The first time I was ever, I guess, introduced to any kind of coaching um, session. And and at that point, I was just um, an interior designer, not director yet. And soon after that, then became associate, then director and partner. And so at each stage, and I think that's why Peg has been with us for so long, because now she's our leadership executive coach as well. And so um, there's just so many opportunities, and there's always everyone can learn all of the time. So uh, it, especially with me in my career, I've, it's evolved what Peg has taught me um, personally and um, from a business standpoint. I love it. Carrie's also being very humble. She's 40 under 40 winner from Columbus Business First. She's a partner of empowerment with Dress for Success. It's on their board. A lot of incredible personal and professional developments, which sounds like you have a lot of thanks to Peg as well. <laughs> you know, you did a lot of hard work and you had a lot of great guidance. So I'll tell you, Kara, you have literally mastered the art of doing it all. And if Peg has any part of that, I am all ears on how I can learn to do the same. So, ladies, before we get too deep into our conversation, we want to let our listeners in a little bit about who you are as people outside of your respective professions. Peg, let's start with you. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? You know, I think it's to maintain emotional intelligence during all times, stressful, non-stressful. I believe that that brings people together, and I believe it's what our country needs, and um, it's what I'm studying, and it's what I do, but guess what? I'm not perfect, and especially, you know when you're not perfect is those times of stress or when it really gets personal, and you've got to check your emotions and be fact-based, and I think that's something I'm always working on. I love that. I had read a quote that said, if we listened with the same passion of which we spoke, the world would be so much better understood. Perfect. That's exactly where I was coming from. Is um, we're, so we're um, in this in this in this industry of uh, social media, we tend to respond versus get fact based, and we need to listen and look at all sides and not be over too far either way. Oh, I love that, mm-hmm. Peg. What is the skill still unmastered? One thing. Okay, here's really important, and, and one thing that a coach needs to be is consistent and um, con- congruent in what they teach. So, if I'm going to tell Carrie to join boards, 
I better be on a board. If I'm going to ask Carrie to do be emotionally intelligent, well, I better be too. So one thing is, as we evolve and grow, um, we must evolve and grow. So one thing I'm mastering right now is my ability to get new hobbies and new interests because as you grow in your life, you hit different uh, areas. And right now, both of my girls don't really need me as much anymore. So that allows time. So what am I going to do with my time? So I'm mastering that right now of what does that look like? Because it's a new chapter. Have you gotten started with anything new yet? I have. It's almost like you would know because I wanted you to ask that. Do tell. (laughs) I have decided, which is just so crazy, I have decided to be a cyclist now. Love it. So I have been cycling. And it's in the fashion that anybody who knows me, they said, well, one day you decided to buy a bike and the next you're doing 50 miles a day. Like I dive in. So I am being a cyclist and I'm, um, my goal is to get involved with the Pelotonia and go ahead and do that in August. That's fantastic. That. So that's one of my passions now. Oh, we talk so much about mental health and how important movement is as far as mental health. So that's just holistically great. Last question. What is your best habit? I, well, and this is what I teach everybody is there's a book by Darren Hardy called The Compound Effect, and it's small changes and you do them consistently. So that's what I live by. So right now I'm doing that with my strength workouts, the way I'm eating and the way I'm moving and the way I'm learning. So I, I ask everybody and I include in myself is the best habit is to be consistent with what you do, but do it small. You don't have to do a 30-minute strength workout every day, but how about 10 minutes? Why don't you do uh, you know, 15 to 30 counter push-ups every day? So that's the best habit I have, is doing small, consistent things to help improve. I love that. And that feels a little less overwhelming, too. Exactly. If you just chip away at it. The, <laughs> some people listening are going to laugh, but someone once said to me, if I said to you right now, could you be 300% better this day next year? It feels overwhelming, that number, to think 300% better. But if I asked you, could you be 1% better tomorrow, it doesn't feel so scary. And that would be much more than 300%. All right, Carrie, you're up. Same questions, your response. Starting with, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Transportation. I feel like I would love to be able to transport anywhere at any time, especially right now. I'm in desperate need of a vacation, (laughs) and I want sunshine. I wish I could just do the genie and blink and take me somewhere. That would be cool. Also for you with your schedule to just be able to transport to meetings and then take an hour to go to Turks and Caicos and back, you know? Uh, Amazing. Wonderful. I love it. I want that superpower too now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking of it, you take your business to Turks and Caicos versus like having to like... Yeah, that's Innovation. a great point. I asked I asked my 11-year-old son this one time, and he said, I think it would be that I could grant any wish at any time, including myself. I'm like, man, that's the ultimate answer. That means you get everything. I yeah. love that. All right, Carrie, what is the skill still unmastered? I think wake surfing, and it's definitely unmastered. But, but I've done it, and I've gotten up, and so that's, you know, a start. It's, um, I don't know, I think it's a really fun thing to learn to do, and it's out in the sun, and that means I'm away from work, which is a great thing. I love it. All right, last question. What is your best habit? I think probably finding the positive in things. Um, I I don't know, sometimes I'm accused of being too positive, but I, I don't know, It I have to remain positive about things. So even when something seems awful, you might not recognize right at the moment why it's a good thing, but there is. There's always some positive in every situation. So I think that's what I would say. Well, I'll endorse that you are very much that way, and I think that's part of what makes you such an incredible leader. So... I definitely, hats off to both of you. All right, well, let's get going. I can't wait any longer. 
the reason is because this is such a relevant topic today. Uh, Harvard Business Review reported American workers suffered from feelings of isolation long before the pandemic. A 2019 survey of 1,000 employed American adults found that more than 40% of respondents felt physically and emotionally isolated in the workplace, a group that spanned generations, genders, and ethnicities, so it's not just limited to one specific demographic. When people feel like they belong at work, they are 3.5 times more likely to contribute to their fullest potential. I actually read a piece of research that stated that happy employees are 12% more productive. So, Peg, first question to you. How can we build genuine connection with our coworkers? I love um, every all the statistics you just said because I'm a stat man, and I love stats because (laughs) I think it's it's absolutely the reason we need to build connections, right? Because that's retention rate, and that's production that's happy. So, what we say when we we walk into organizations is that it's all about education. A lot of times, and I'm going to go back to the conversation I had with Allie and Lauren, the 19 year old and the 16 year old. Um, Well, uh, it's all about understanding who people are and respecting who they are and meeting them where they are. So understanding their behavior profile, understanding their emotional intelligence, understanding their generation and how and what's important to them, and then meeting them there and being able to have that conversation and that communication in an educated way that inspires them and, and creates connection. And, and if we just all did that in this world, we'd have a very happy world. It's a simple thing. I, I forget who told me this. Um, it could be somebody in this room because I talk to Sam and Carrie quite often. <laughs> but, and I shouldn't use that word, because what I've heard is that you should pause after somebody says something so that you make sure that they finish their statement to make sure that you've heard it all, that you've listened and that you've absorbed it versus just immediately reacting to something that's just popped into your head. And I think, you know, you talked about emotional intelligence twice already. And I think that's so relevant. We just had our last podcast where we talked about being aware of your emotions and where they're coming from. And I think if you're aware of yourself, you can be more aware of others, right? And then you can do like you're talking about, you can connect with others better. Right. And then also making sure you make a plan for connections, which I think MA does a great job at. What is your calendar look like? Making sure that it's not just left up to um, throwing it in when you have time, but making time purposeful and planning. Yeah. Intentional. Intentional. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking at. I want to comment real quick on something Mark said, uh, because I think it's it's so uh, right on. So the listening to somebody and really, like Peck said, meeting them where they're at. So many people, I think, aren't fully listening and are building their story. While the person is talking, they're thinking, what am I going to say next? What's my rebuttal? What's my argument? How do I agree with them? Instead of just taking in, like Mark said, everything the person has to say and and really fully understanding. Um, so I think there is a lot to that. Um, Continuing on the theme, Carrie, in what ways can leadership coaching impact the overall culture of an organization? I Sometimes I think about um, the, the, the airplane oxygen mask concept. So you've got to take care of yourself before you can take care of anyone else. And that was a really hard thing for me, I think, to really understand. But after Peg kind of drilling it in my head that you really not only spend have to spend time on the company, not in the company, and same with yourself. You have to spend time on yourself in order to be a good leader and then help those other folks in your company also be good leaders. So um, I, I think leadership coaching, one, helps um, sort of what I'll call uh, free thinking and, and clarity. Um, when you're in a spot for a long time in a, in a leadership role and you're surrounded by similar people, similar minded people, you start to have very narrow minded thinking. Um, and so what a coach does, I feel, is really open up your mind to see other 
perspectives and make sure that you're making decisions based on all of the information, not just a gut reaction. I'm a, I'm a D personality type um, if you're looking at a DISC pro- profile. So that means that I make decisions fast. Um, I don't like it when there's thinking, rethinking, rethinking, and it takes a long time to come to a decision. So that's something that I've really learned in training is to really slow down and think about it from all perspectives and, and still make fast decisions, but, but make sure that you're hearing it from all angles first. Um, Emotional intelligence, I think, is another another key thing that, that helps in organizations is, you know, which emotional intelligence, if you break it down into four categories, it's self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship awareness. So there's tests that you can take on this. Emotional intelligence 2.0 is something that Peg brought to us, and our whole leadership took, uh, took that test to kind of see where we're at, and it's something that we continually work on. And like Peg said, even as a coach, she continues to work on this every day. Uh, so I think that's uh, certainly something that helps not just a leadership group, but across the organization and really does help improve your culture because of that self-awareness. People are aware of, of those around them and how to interact with others. And then overall, just communication. Through this time, I think we've learned a lot about how important communication is, over-communicating, and, and ultimately, I think that transparency uh, increases your your culture. Folks feel like they're getting the honest answer and that the leadership team is aligned and engaged. And so you can't, I, I guess I can't say it enough, just over-communication. Absolutely. In the absence of truth, rumors are created. So I think it's so wonderful how you and the MA leadership team have really communicated for our firm so consistently throughout this whole experience with COVID. And I know it really created a sense of stability and security, having that constant message that we knew we could count on daily when things were really at its peak and and weekly now. Um, Peg, really quick, can you explain Reader's Digest version DISC profiles, the four different categories and just a quick listen for our our listeners? So um, there is no right, there is no wrong. It's not a test, it's an assessment. I always say it's a, it's a, an opportunity for respect of understanding how people are wired. So people tend to be in different categories. So a D is a driver, an I is an influencer, an S is a stable, and then a C is conscientious. So a C is going to be a little more detailed, an S is going to be more inclusive and team-oriented, an I is going to be really fun and engaging, and then a D is going to be just saying, okay, I want results. We all tend to be in one area, but we can be in a couple. So you could be a DI or a DC or a CS. And it's understanding what your profile is. And once you understand it and you understand others, then you adjust your approach and you adjust your communication. And the reason we even brought this up is it is a foundation in general of having a great team and, and really being a holistic person to understand and listen and meet people where they are. Oh, I love that so much. Another topic I love intentional living. So I'm really interested in this concept of intentional living, but it can be really challenging in times that are harder, like 2020. Peg, how can professionals find clarity in moments of chaos? It's a hard time to be creative when under stress, but how can they do it? Well, one of, and, and this is a lot because you, uh, we are, have many clients that are all of a sudden you have a plan and then that plan just got shifted. And, and what, one thing that we say is um, you continually have to be able to pivot and to adjust your plan. And you have to be open to change and understanding and know that, and number one, when you you shift your plan, you, get, you better communicate it with whoever, whether you're an owner, whether you're an employee, a team member, 
is to be able to pivot. And prioritization is going to be important. So making sure you continue to prioritize based on the new information that has hit you. I love that idea. I mean, especially because I feel like some people might just feel like they're flailing right now, you know, and so somehow having just a list or an intentional way of figuring out your day so you don't feel like you're just reacting, you're being able to be proactive versus just taking what come what 2020 brings uh, to all of us these days. You know, and I think in response to 2020, I mean, we're living in an inflection era right now where basically after this moment, nothing is going to be the same. We're all going to have to pivot, like you just said, Peg. So, Carrie, what's one thing that you've learned about the workplace that you want every leader to know right now? Um, I'm going to say one thing. Shivit is a new word, a new term that I heard, <laughs> and it sounds so hilarious, but every time I have a conversation like this, it's the shifting of a mindset and physically pivoting. So, uh, think about in any in anything that's happened in 2020, you really do have to mentally shift where you're at and where other people are. And and then from a workplace standpoint, to your question mark, is how to pivot. Um, I think, gosh, one thing, one thing. I'm sure there's many. One thing. Um, I already talked about communicating and not just communicating, but with very blunt honesty to your team about where the company is at. And secondly, putting a plan in place. I think Peg already spoke to that. Um, I guess designing for resiliency and not efficiency. In 2019, and I would would probably say for a five-year stint, there was this focus on workplace being very efficient you know if we were giving big common spaces we were taking away from the the workplace the workstation itself Um, and that's been an ebb and flow over the years but everyone now is talking about flexibility and being able to physically pivot the workplace and this idea of hub and spoke model where people are working at home or um, hopefully someday in coffee shops and in places other than the workplace. So I, I think the the resiliency, the idea that, you know, when you can, when big things occur outside of your plan, that you're able, you're setting your organization up for a fast pivot, not we're going to lay this out as efficient as it can be right now because you never know what the future holds. So... Well, and I think that plays into kind of like what Peg is talking about in understanding the other and understanding like where people are. I think the great conversation that kind of goes along with that is that we're also talking about like these workplace personas and what people need in order to work right, not just work how everybody else has been living or working, you know, cookie cutter style. We're basically making sure that people have choice so that they can work how they need to have that agility to be able to flex. That persona, that's such a great point. And I think it ties too to the DISC assessment that Peg was talking about. It, you know, in the past, the way we've done programming, as you very well know, Mark, is uh, by grouping types. So um, when Peg was going through the DISC assessment, in my head, I was thinking the stereotypical, the the D is a CEO, the I is a marketing-focused uh, person, uh, the the C is the CFO. And and I, I quickly changed what I was thinking because, yes, while the stereotypes are there for a reason, that's not always the case. And it's the same when you're designing for a space. You, It's not a cookie cutter solution. And it is much more based on the needs of that individual person than it is, oh, marketing needs this. Uh, so there's just a much deeper dive now that, that I think organizations need to do on really understanding and learning about their people and, and how they work and what their needs are while they're in the office versus 
uh, grouping it by department. Um, it almost seems silly in some ways that that's how we've done it for so long, but hey, it's time to shiv it. <laughs> I, I like that. Shiv it. <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what 2020 is all about, finding out the new way to do things. And the word feels like 2020 because it's a little bit of a cluster, you know, it and is. you just like put it all together and mod podge it and make it work. And mm-hmm. it feels on brand. <laughs> so I'm here for it. So, Peg, I'm curious, you know, with all of these shivets, hopefully I said that. I'm <laughs> yes. afraid I'm going to say that wrong and it's going to come out wrong. <laughs> it's there. Uh, but with all of these shivets, you know, what's one of the most helpful pieces of advice you've gotten or given during the pandemic? The number one piece of advice, ready? Aren't you dying to know what is? Yes. Number one is I can tell if I've coached you or not, if I'm in a coaching session, whether you've watched media or not. Interesting. I can tell. And it's the number one piece is I say, you got to stop. Because you're, you're listening to all, you know, media is based on negativity and, and, and trying to rile up ratings. I'm like, you got to stop watching the news. You got to stop. And, if you, and I believe social media is a wonderful platform. And some people go, oh, my social media is all negative. I go, well, then what are you allowing in your feeds to be negative? So that's my number one is you got to stop that, especially when things were going really bad. Well, look at it, everybody's dying. And there is tragedy and we need to get away from that and focus on what we can do. So I'm curious, how can you tell that? Like, is there like a, some visual cue or something that they're saying? Uh, or it's, like- it's their whole persona is in a panic and um, anxious and they um, are negative. Interesting. So it's their energy that you're reading, yes. really. Oh, you can completely tell. Interesting. Someone just told me, if you look on someone's Instagram explore page, you have everything you need to know about that person. You know what they're looking for because the algorithm populates your explore page with things that you've been searching, there things you that go. you've been looking for and liking. And so kittens is a great thing to search for <laughs> because it will populate that with really nice things, you know, but very right. similar to what you say, what you look for, you will find. And the news, we just talked about this on our mental health podcast. It's so sensationalized mm-hmm. for your point. It needs the ratings. It needs the viewers. And it's whatever the next best thing is to draw people in. Mm-hmm. But there are wonderful things like Upworthy or Tank's Good News, those kinds of podcasts right. and Instagram pages that are only positive news, you know. Right. Um, so it is a shift, but it's an intentional shift where you have Correct. to seek out good information or maybe just set healthy boundaries for what right. media time looks like. You know, maybe that's enough that you know what's going on, but not too much that you're over That's a good point. I like that, what you said. And, and Carrie said this earlier when she said that she's positive, and I'm going to echo that. Leaders, and I'm going to quote my business partner, Pete, because he said this once in a team day, and I just laughed. He goes, do you think they put up uh, statues of negative leaders? No, they don't. And, <laughs> and he goes, except for if you're you know, in a dictatorship, and then they do. Right. right? <laughs> you need you're forced to. to. <laughs> part of leadership is being positive, and part of being positive is putting yourself in situations where you're surrounding yourself with um, energy that's positive, positive news. And it doesn't mean they go, well, I need to know what's going on. So this was one. I'll just give you an example. So I, I could tell. I, I said, oh. Oh, you've been watching the news, I can tell. And it's like a confession. Yeah. And I said, well, he goes, but you have to understand I have stores all over the U.S. I need to know what's being shut down. I need to know what's happening in other states. And I go, you know, there's a way of doing that in which you're not consuming yourself. And those are all excuses. You can still find that out. Mm -hmm. And he was, and then the confession comes out. Yeah, you're right. And I go, well, let's limit that. And that's what you were saying, Sam, is what are the choices I'm going to make to limit that? Because I will only allow what's in my bubble to make sure that it's building, not um, being destructive. Setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. I love that. 
Also, if you guys know me, you know I could not let a leadership podcast pass by without bringing up my idol, Brene Brown. Uh, And in her book, Dare to Lead, Brene shared that courage and fear are not mutually exclusive. Most of us feel brave and afraid at the exact same time. That is vulnerability. What those moments require is a call to courage. Peg, what would you recommend to someone who wants to make a change but feels fearful to make that next big step? Okay, so we deal with that every day in coaching. And, and I, first of all, I want you to know you're not alone. So if you're saying that, that's that's the world. So don't beat yourself up. A lot of times people go, oh, I, they, they, they look inward and they people beat themselves up too much. And I want you to stop it, number one. Um, understand that uh, it's normal. And I'm going to go back to one of the things that I am mastering. And the more I master something, the better teacher I become. So I feel personally responsible for being that person so that I can speak from experience. And I'm going to go back to the small steps. You don't have to, and you said it too, if it was 300% change, but what about 1%? It is, um, it's interesting because we want you to care for yourself. Carrie, you said that. Um, making sure you look in and care for yourself. Will you start by doing exercise? And people go, oh, I can't exercise. I said, a five-minute walk. That's the first step. So that would be what I would suggest to people is bite-size very small and but consistent. Yeah, those small little one minute changes. Mm -hmm. So it it makes me think immediately of um, imposter syndrome, something that I know that I've experienced on multiple occasions throughout my career path. (laughs) Mark is the most incredible human and he has many times admitted, I feel like I'm an imposter right now. And I'm like, but you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Well, it's just, it's, it's like you talked about, it's fear and growth that go hand in hand sometimes together. And so sometimes you just have to overcome that. But so Peg, help our listeners. What's what is imposter syndrome and what can one do to overcome it? So it is first of all, um, what it is, it's those moments of self doubt. Like you're saying, wait a minute, I'm really doing this. I'm I'm being an imposter. There's no way that I should be um, the. Wait, 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 where was I ranked the coach in, in the world or Ninth whatever? Ninth in the world. Ninth you guys, in the world. Third in yeah. the country. Third in the country. Humble brag. <laughs> yeah. So I'd be like, oh, how could I ever? That I'm an imposter. Obviously, I've been pulling the wool over people's eyes, and. As a coach, I get that all the time from some of the most well-respected, high-performing people. And I think it's first to understand that you're not alone. It's normal. And everybody's going to have those doubts. It's part of our life. So first, understanding that and and not beating yourself up about that. But also, I, I have to tell you one thing I did. When I had this gentleman say this, who's just an incredible gentleman, we'll, we'll call him. You know what? I always call people Sam. Wow. <laughs> Plot twist. Because it could be a boy or a girl. Are so you obsessed I, with me? <laughs> I always say Sam. And I realize there's actually a Sam here. So um, I'll say. Um, Alex. Alex. That's good. I love it. So we have Alex who came to me and said, you know, I've been coaching with you and I just don't even know how I am in this position. I haven't done anything. And just, and one thing as an exercise I have people do is look at where you are and look at where you were and look at the gap. And that's what I I did is I said, okay, let's, let's step back five years ago. And where were we? And whatever, all the achievements from then to now. And then what you have to do is um, it's a belief system and belief systems are, brought, are, are challenged and really changed with proof. And so if you go and find proof, it will help you overcome that imposter syndrome and just understand that it will too pass. Well, and I think it's so easy for people to remember the negative, right? Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to remember the negative than it is to remember the, the good times. Exactly. I know that the times that like I've had those feelings and then immediately just embraced it and went through it were some of the best moments of my career. You know, like I remember those as highs now versus like being afraid and being uh, at a low point. I think there's some positive 
points to having that imposter syndrome you as do? well. You positive? I, of course. I, <laughs> so surprising. I know. Uh, but honestly, because somebody who feels, who has that imposter syndrome is always going to try to be better. They're constantly going to want to be improving, and they're not going to have an egotistical air about them. So you're going to be a little bit more humble, and um, I, I genuinely believe a better listener because you're going to be trying to learn. So I, while it's true, uh, and I was grinning to myself if this were a video, I'm glad it's not. Um, while Peg was going through her spiel, I have heard those exact words from Peg. Have I? <laughs> Coaching me. There you go. Uh, so it, it's true. You, I mean, you, it, 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 she made me go through that exact same exercise where, like, where have you been? And also, knowing that there's a path forward. You've accomplished this in 10 years. Where do you think it's going to be 10 years from now? So baby steps. I do remember that conversation now. And remember, we talked about finding proof. Mm-hmm. See, it, to increase vision is to find proof. And um, so here's an example. I, which remember, I said, I have to be consistent. So whatever I do, I teach. And so that's bad too, because guess what? As I got older, I started gaining weight. And I had a belief that as you got older, you're supposed to gain weight. That was my belief. That's too hard to lose. I didn't know. Like, I didn't know I was holding on to that belief. And then uh, a friend of mine, Pam, who's a nutritionist, and she's like, you know, you're getting, if you do that, that's unhealthy. And I'm like, oh, you know, that's, she goes, just start writing down your calories. Here we go back to that little bit. Just write them down. Just, that's your first step. And so 20 pounds later, it was pretty easy, guys. I mean, I didn't want it overnight, but it was a belief I had to break. And she's the same age as I am, and she wasn't heavy. And it, I was like, well, you're not heavier. And she's like, you don't have to be heavier. You're getting older. I said, oh, I thought your metabolism slows down and you can't lose weight. Excuse. Yeah. Like it's inevitable. Yeah. It was inevitable. Interesting. So, so anyway, it was uh, proof. Yeah. It broke my belief. And then I was like, oh, okay, then I'm not going to be that person. I love that. I'm so into manifestation. Mm-hmm. And I think that it can also work both ways. You know, where your thought goes, your energy flows. And even if you're saying, I want to stop overeating. Your mind is hearing overeating, overeating, overeating. And instead, if you change that narrative and say, I really want to make healthier choices, or I really want to do things that nourish and fuel my body in a healthy way, that's suddenly the schema that your brain is starting to digest. And all of a sudden, the world around you starts to shift and, and starts to change, and you actually are manifesting the right things for your life. Exactly. Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to manifest some cool things after this. <laughs> well, I believe that I have gained five pounds because of the pandemic this year because of um, some comfort eating, but I need to change that mentality a little bit. <laughs> there you go. Time to manifest. But, you know, there are a lot of unhealthy things that are happening right now. You know, I think um, if we think about generationally, Generation X has moved into the leadership, they've moved into the C-suite, um, and then the pandemic hit. What age is Gen X right now? So Gen X would be in your upper 30s, probably closer to 40s, towards your like mid-50s. Okay, great. So they're the ones who are taking over in leadership roles right now. And then the pandemic hits, right? And so they're having to juggle work-life balance. They're having to figure out multi-generational living if they're taking care of their family or their parents. Um, they're trying to have a, find ways to have downtime and take uh, self-care moments for themselves. And so, Peg, you've talked about dealing with the pandemic. Um, what are the three biggest lessons and tips you would impart on leaders to set them up for success these days and in the days to come? Okay, so one thing that we ask people before before we bring them on as, as a client is to answer one of the three following questions. So as you're asking me that question, I'm thinking it applies here. 
So before, and, and people have asked, if they say no, do you say it won't work? And I said, absolutely, I have. So you have to say yes to the following three in order for it to work. So one is, are you willing to learn? Are you um, willing to change? And will you follow through and do what you say you will do? And those are the three questions that we really think are important to answer yes to. So I did have this. Um, it was a doctor. He has a big group, and he's a friend of mine. And he goes, I think I need to bring you on. I go, okay, let me ask you the three questions. I go, are you willing to change? He goes, no. And he goes, I go, are you willing to learn? He goes, what I want to learn. <laughs> and he goes, I go, well, would you follow through? And he goes, I will if I decide. And I go, I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> and so we're, we're still <laughs> friends. We're still friends, and he does well, but it just, it, that didn't work. <laughs> So be willing to learn, be willing to change, and be willing to... Follow through. Follow through. Do what you say you're going to do. Gotcha. When you do that, success happens. Just in life. Mm-hmm. I was like, it feels just like those are the basic things that we mm-hmm. also learned, do you that. know, <laughs> growing up, or at least I did. Yes, yes. It's all basic. It's not complicated. I love that. I think it's crazy, especially right now when this world feels complicated, to think that back to basics is the answer. feels a little less overwhelming. A little values reset. Yes. And we've been talking a lot, too, about readjusting. And there's a light at the end of the tunnel with vaccines going out beginning on the 12th. And, you know, there is some semblance of reentry in sight, including the workplace. It's closer than it's been yet since the beginning of COVID. So, Carrie, how could organizations be best prepared for reentry in 2021? Really, I think we've touched on a lot of this already. And I, I'll sum it up by saying really understand what your people need, not what the masses are saying. So uh, I I guess my answer to the question is do engagement surveys, talk to your people, um, not just your direct reports, but try to really reach out to everyone in your organization and really fully understand what it is that they need because every group is different, every person is different, especially right now with the level of stress that people are going through. So I don't think there is a cookie cutter solution. I think oftentimes a lot of the groups that we work with Um, I mean, this has happened a handful of times just in the last couple months when people have been preparing to come back. And they'll ask me, um, you know, a similar question and say, well, I read these three things, and so I feel like what we're going to do is X. And so I I think I just caution folks to not make those decisions too fast without really doing your homework. Um, I know a, a, a lot of people right now are maybe over-surveyed. It seems like the easy solution, but you can also break that down into uh, little engagement sessions. People right now just need to feel connected to their company and the mission. So um, one, I would say have a really strong vision in place and make sure that's shared with your team um, down at every level, make sure that's shared and talk to your people, whether you set up little focus groups and and get feedback from from people um, or surveys if you don't have the time to do that. But but dig in deeper than just reading some articles and hearing what other companies are doing because everyone's different. I love that so much. And a lot of people might not know, but you actually conducted a work-from-home survey with Mark Bryan and the research and innovation team here at MA, and almost 500 people responded from all across the country, 26 different states, which is I think is really cool, and all of the major metro areas. So from New York to LA, Atlanta to Houston, you name it, Chicago, we've got them. And um, it was really interesting because 75% of people said they miss interactions with colleagues and human connection in person. So a lot of these companies that are really quick to react to that pendulum swing and say, that's it. You know, we're all remote forever. You know, that that feels like you responded to the pendulum and not equilibrium. 
maybe that's a reaction and not pausing for the response. Um, also, 60% of people said they miss impromptu meetings and conversations that happen naturally at the office. So, the water cooler effect. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 32% of people don't feel a part of the larger company as much as when everyone was in the office. So to your point, you can read, and Peg, your earlier point with media and sensationalism, you can read these crazy articles that say no one ever wants to return to the office. It's not the case. And I love that you said talk to your people. You know, don't read an article from a major publication that's this biased or editorial or op-ed. Talk to your people. They have the answers you need. And I love that your advice is to start from your actual Well, and I think one thing that we're also talking a lot about a lot more is this idea of upskilling and reskilling. You know, um, before the pandemic, a lot of these things were already happening, but it's just been accelerated. And I think people understand now more than ever, they need to be able to pivot, shivit. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. shivit. And so the idea of upskilling and reskilling is really about taking on new skill sets. There's actually a forecast that said that um, it's predicted 85% of the jobs that will be in 2030 haven't been created yet. Wow. We've got a graying workforce where people are working a lot longer, and so they're staying in their jobs a lot longer, so they're wanting new skill sets. Um, so basically, upskilling is where you add a new skill set to your resume for your current job, and reskilling is learning new skills to move into a different job. So I think this would just be an open question to both Peg and Carrie. You know, how can leaders or individuals find, you know, their calling and true purpose in this time of change? And what are recommendations you would make for them to stay inspired and motivated to move forward in personal and professional development? Okay, well, I'll start. And then one thing that I've I've used COVID as an example, there's a book called uh, Peaks and Valleys. It's a great, neat, small book. And I think it's by Spencer Johnson. I'd have to look that up, though. And it talks about how whatever we do in the valley allows us to be ready to go to that next peak. So whatever you're doing at this time of disruption and chaos will allow us to grow and, and, and get to a peak that's higher. So it's our downtime that makes us strong, basically. Anyway, one of the things I would encourage everybody listening to do uh, is, and what I encourage in my coaching sessions is, look out there, Look, at, let's say you're with a company, look and see what the company needs. Look at what is the growth. You decide the areas from there of what I want to concentrate on and then create your own plan of development. Now, we, uh, I hear a lot of team members saying, well, my, um, my company should come to me with development plan. I would love that. Absolutely. Sometimes that doesn't happen and that's okay. You take responsibility for it. So that's one area I would suggest people doing right now, wherever you are, is to look at what you have interest in and where the need is and where they meet and then create your own development plan. I love it. I will never forget when I first started at MA many years ago, um, I, you know, did some digging on the company and, you know, talking with Carrie, just asked about the history of the company. And I'll never forget, I don't know if you remember this conversation, but you talked about 2009 specifically and the, uh, not the pandemic, the recession and how it affected MA. Because what you told me was that when it all started to go south, brought on, you know, Peg and Pete. And then you really said, okay, what do we want to do when we get out of this? Like, where do we want to be? We want to be stronger. We want to be more developed. And I think you said that you locked yourself in a room with a couple other people. Mm -hmm. And when you came out, you had a whole new business structure in place. So it was taking the challenge and then figuring out where you want to go. I think it's kind of what you're leading towards. Mm -hmm. Very much so. It's making sure that you take responsibility for your development where the need is and what you like. So that's what you should be doing. And remember, doing what you do in the valley makes you stronger for the peaks. I love that. I think a lot of people in this time have been saying it's a storm that we're all weathering together. We're just in different boats. You know, some people are in 
tiny buoys, depending on your situation. If you have lost your job, my heart is with you. And if you are having trouble with the health of a family member or more serious things, or if you're just inconvenienced, you know, maybe that's the a yacht compared to the buoy. I don't know. We're all in our own ships. We're all in the storm together in different capacities. But there is this quote that reminds me so much of what you're saying, that ships don't sink because of the water around them. Ships sink because of the water that gets in them. So don't let what's happening around you get inside of you and weigh you down. I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Hopefully the listeners do too. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it, you know, it reminds me a lot, Peg, of what you're saying and Carrie, how you lead, that there are a lot of storms that you know you weather as a leader and as a human and you can't let that weigh you down you know you have to stay really really strong in, in those times of the storms and that's what's going to get you to the other side very good and every day is an opportunity I always think about it when I walk through the door here coming into the office that, that there's a threshold and as soon as I cross over whatever happened in the morning the night before whatever that thing was it's a new day and it's an opportunity to be positive and make a positive impact on someone um I agree. I echo everything that Peg said. It really, I think when people are trying to find that next path, they forget to really search inward at where their own passions are. I I have probably a, a monthly sit down with maybe 10 people in the office. And a lot of that is just focused around personal goals. I know, Mark, we did this for a really long time. And, and um, you know, at one point, we're really interested in business development. And I think it's probably because you saw a need that the company had mm-hmm. for business development but and, and bringing work in. Um, but not every gap, every person is going to be able to fill. So starting just with yourself and what maybe your own why is, like what, what really – what am I passionate about? What am I, where are my strengths? Doing a SWOT analysis. So what are strengths, opportunities, threats, weaknesses? What, what, what am I really good at and love to do versus what am, what am I terrible at and I hate doing? Let's not try to fill that gap because <laughs> it will not be successful. So, um, you know, there's the right people, right seat conversation is something that we've been having here internally. And I do think it's so important for leaders to understand the strengths of their people and their passions, because it, if you understand that and push that person towards that direction, it's helping them and helping the company. Yeah. I mean, honestly and truly, that's a lot of where the research and innovation team was born from. Because I think if I said something to the effect of, I'm not the person to go to the power breakfasts and sit at the table yeah. and rub elbows with people. I'm the person who will go and sit and talk to those mm-hmm. 300 people in that power breakfast. Mm-hmm. That's where my strength lies because I, f- I love talking to people. I love coming up and I love presenting ideas. And, and research. And you I love, love researching it. and write. Exactly, yes. yes, exactly. Very different from uh, cold calling or business development networking. Correct. Yes. Yep. And Carrie, you, are, you practice what you preach because at MA, with our annual reviews, one of the questions is, when do you feel the most energized at work? And you can write there, you know, it's when I'm interacting with other people or it's when I'm maybe for, you know, S's and C's, it's when they're able to just work on their own right. heads down and get a mm-hmm. lot done, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you in the reviews with me said, OK, well, how can we create more opportunities where that is what it encompasses, you know. And so it's really, really cool to think that you're cultivating leaders that are thriving in the areas that they are really energized by and successful in. And it's exciting. Yes, Congruency. Good job. <laughs> Ooh, gold star. Thank you, Coach. Gold star. 
Well, we're coming to the end of our show, and I would be totally remiss if I didn't ask my favorite question of all time, which would be, you know, as a futurist, I am constantly looking for signals and drivers of change that can affect us in the future. So again, this is an open question for both of you, but what do you think the signals and drivers of change that are happening today that will have a positive effect on leaders or businesses uh, even 10 years from now? how everyone now realizes, hey, we can work remotely. Hey, this Mm -hmm. can be virtual. Hey, we don't have to be living in Columbus in order to work at this firm. So not um, one of my least favorite statements is because that's how we've always done it. Mm -hmm. And so, and I've been saying that for a really long time. We're just the answer, no. The answer (laughs) is not no. There's a a way to do the thing. Maybe we don't want to do it that way, but there's always an answer for it. But um, I think leaders have really seen a lot of opportunity through this. Hopefully, hopefully leaders have seen opportunity because it's showing us maybe a new way to do business, new service lines that weren't there before. So keeping your eyes open, those signals, I think just watching what's around you, um, I think technology is one that we need to be a little bit more in front of and um, and watch kind of the signals that are happening around us. But yeah, and I'm going to piggyback on that, Carrie. It is the same thing, sort of, is remember when we talked about how do you break a belief and it's through proof? I think we've proven that we as a world can change quickly. And I think it's pushed everybody's uh, line uh, back a little, like saying, I can do this. And I think we need to continue to take advantage of that because change is possible. It's not the way, would you say, it's the way we always do it? Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's, yeah. That, that, I think that line has gotten blurred. And if you look at the new generation, and if you look at, I'm looking at what's, uh, it's the uh, Zs, right? Mm-hmm. They're fine. Like, my daughters are fine. Okay, well, we'll be virtual now. Okay, well, then I'll miss my homecoming. I'll miss, they're fine. And change is okay. And I think that's good. Very resilient. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's made us a better as a whole. Yeah, I think it's it's great to think about, you know, positivity and how that could have a better impact us on us and how we can do the things that we said were impossible. Mm-hmm. I want to sneak in one last question for someone who might be newer to their career or younger in their lives and they want to become a leader. They might not feel like they are right now. If you could each give them one piece of advice, if you were sitting in a room with them and just wanted to give them the encouragement that they do have the capacity to be a leader inside of them, what would you say? I, I would say find a mentor. Find mm. someone that you, that you trust, that you can talk to, pick their brain. I mean, I was thinking, gosh, read leadership books because it, when you're at that very early stage, there's, there's books that I bought 10, 15 years ago that I have read now five, seven, wow. 10 times, and you get something different from that book every time you read it. So that's what I was going to say, but I feel like there's more interaction needed. So find someone, talk to talk to 20 different people and pr- try to find a mentor that you that's willing to kind of take you under their wing and um, so you can have someone to pick their brain about business. Right, right. And, and a lot of times, one thing when I'm talking to people who are in that situation is what you do for others is far more than what you will do for yourself. So if you look at it as a perspective of, the impact I can have on others and help people tend to believe in themselves more if they know they're going to be helping someone else and it's not about them. Awesome answers. Well, it's been an amazing show and I hope we can help each other make all of these wonderful positive changes happen in 2021. We will. We will. We will. We will. So thank you, Peg. And thank you, Carrie, for being on our show with us today. 
Uh, thank you for sharing your innovative insights. These are the innovations that can help our listeners find inspiration in their own lives to be thinking ahead and to create change. We hope to hear more about these innovations in the days, weeks, and months to come. If you'd like to learn more about us at MA Architects, visit our website at www.ma-architects.com where we have a feature called The Future Is Now Up and Running. If you want to continue the conversation, feel free to email me directly at markb at ma-architects.com. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to subscribe and review our podcast so you can be the first to hear what is coming in terms of innovations and trends from three to five years ahead. Once again, I'm one of your hosts for Make It Innovative, Mark Bryan. And I'm Sam Moeller. I hope you can find the change you want to be to allow innovation to thrive in the way you live. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you, Carrie and Peg. Thank, Thank you. you.